So why is it important for us to know how we <laughs> attach to each other? And I don't mean that sexually. Don't be gross, people. All right. Okay. No one else thought that but you, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Okay. Why, why is it important that we attach to each other in, in marriage? Well, or, What does that even mean? More or less how we attach to each other or how, what is attachment? <laughs> As I just said, what does it even mean for marriage? Because yeah. you hear about this attachment theory, at least I've heard it primarily with babies and having kids okay. um it's this theory of like you know you have to attach a primary caregiver but how how what does this look like how does it affect marriage how are we mm. i don't even know how to like portray the question yeah because it feels like there's a lot to unpack there yeah. talking about you know family of origin and your how brokenness has affected oh. us and sin right but then how does the gospel transform us to be able to have yeah. a healthy attachment to our spouse yeah which then would cause right fruitfulness and flourishing and all the promises of god yeah from that point on but where do we even begin how do we recognize any of these yeah bro- broken areas of attachment within our, our okay. lives already well, if you don't know what attachment styles are and you're listening to this you're in the right place because we're <laughs> going to cover the four attachment styles which actually tend to fit neatly on two axes uh the anxious axis and the avoidance axis mm-hmm. so anyway thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the other side welcome to the fierce marriage podcast where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage sex communication finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. So ever since last episode, I think it was two weeks ago, I had mentioned some words that sound like what they are. Oh no, you're not going to keep doing I know, this, I just, I've been obsessed with this ever <laughs> since that came to mind. I'm like, hmm. that was a revelation for me. We, we talked about the <laughs> Onomatopoeias, basically? <laughs> no. That's, that, that's BAM! That's what oh. that is. <laughs> you're welcome. No, like crisp. Crisp is one of those words. Moist. <laughs> All right, it sounds like what it is. All, All right, listeners I, I, cringe, and everybody gives us one star after that. Thanks, no, I've, babe. I've had <laughs> and titillated was one too. Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, uh, the thing, the words that keep coming to mind are uh, they sound like what they are. Another one, it's supple. What do you think of that? How's that one strike? Okay, moving on. We're just going to no, no. lose all the ratings now. Okay. Good sorry, job. One more. Listener, if you if you know one of these, 971-333-1120, text it in because I'm obsessed with this. <laughs> Supple's one of them. Uh, last one, awkward. I feel like awkward is one of those words. These aren't a revelation to you because I've already run these past you. <laughs> Anyways, we are going to talk about the this, not the words, but the attachment styles. Can we please just move on? Because I'm, I'm now, I'm fr- now I'm we're there. talking about rating and reviews, and which is <laughs> really bad. Like, we'll just skip it then. <laughs> Leave a rating and a review. Oh in goodness! Your, uh, but please Apple listen choice. to at least one full episode before you do that. That's all. That's my small little request there. Unless you're already over the moon, excited about the Fierce Marriage podcast. In that case, just go ahead and hit those those five stars. Sure. All right. Uh, okay, so that's the rating and review piece. What else? Patreon. Patreon. Uh, if you want to be a part of all of this, I don't know if you, if you want to after that, <laughs> but if you do find yourself uh, on mission with us, which is, by the way, I like to remind our listeners, our mission, the whole reason we do Fierce Marriage, uh, this podcast, our blog, the books is to point couples to Christ and to commission them for the gospel. I can't get past this idea of what is it going to look like 30, 40, 50 years down the line mm. if just the couples in the church in that are already Christians who call themselves Christians are living on mission, truly living mm. on mission, not nominal Christian lives, but missional Christian lives. What's going to happen? How will the next generation, two, three, four generations be different? How will our countries be different? Mm. So if you want to be part of that mission, that that's the whole reason we get up out of bed in the morning, that and raising our the, babies. That's <laughs> uh, where the real change happens. Yes. Where we believe. If you want to be part of that, go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash fierce marriage. There's lots of stuff there. Good stuff for you to get. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're you, part of it. If but. you are new to fierce marriage, we do like to joke around a little bit. Kind of the laughter keeps everybody happy and keeps things moving along. Typically, we usually have a, it wouldn't an be office weird if reference you didn't talk about it. nugget. It would be just joking. And now you're making it weird. Okay. Well, I'm trying not to. I'm just trying to keep people on board. <laughs> Two on the nose. Sorry. 
All right. Moving on to our topic of discussion. We are going to talk about attachment theory and attachment styles, uh, as we've mentioned before, because we did some research on this and Ryan was talking about it and we were like, what does this even mean? And it's a big, it is a big topic in uh, relational psychology, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, But we started thinking about it and how uh, it takes into consideration, right, your family of origin and the brokenness that maybe you've experienced and how mm. that affects your marriage, which is what we've been talking about. But also, uh, enter the gospel, right? Then we've been talking about gospel-centered marriage and how does that change and transform and renew all of these areas mm-hmm. of brokenness? Uh, that And if, if, if our attachment styles are broken, if we have had sin, you know, mm-hmm. affect our lives— then how does the gospel restore and renew um, that brokenness? And then in our marriage, right, we have this its this grounds for sanctification and experiencing covenant, knowing God kind of intimately. And yeah. also, how do we know another soul intimately in, in a healthy way? How do we attach in a healthy way to another soul? That's a hard thing to do. Um, but then we can also look ahead. So we kind of have a looking mm-hmm. back at our family of origin, looking, taking a current look at where we're at right now today, and then looking ahead on mission. Um, and we'll kind of get into that and what that means yeah. uh, and how these all attach to each other. <laughs> That's great. That was a really great um, summary. So I think it might be helpful at this point to start with we just a really define. clear definition yes. of attachment theory. Yes. And that will inform the actual attachment styles that yes. tend to play out within relationships. Right. So I have a definition up right now. Okay. Um, it's by a gal. I don't know anything about this person. It's a website. Her name is Kendra Cherry. Uh, she wrote an article started like started like this. Attachment theory is focused on the relationships and bonds between people, particularly long-term relationships, including those between a parent and child and between romantic partners. Hmm. Okay, so there's a whole group of uh, psychologists, of probably anthropologists, sociologists, I don't know, people <laughs> with ology in their title. That study people, yeah, and ologists. relationships, yeah. And they're studying this, the, yeah, they're studying how humans basically attached to one another. Right. I have another definition yeah. uh, actually by the Gottman Institute. It says attachment theory describes how our early relationships with the primary caregiver, most commonly a parent, creates our expectation for how love should be. Oh, okay. So that's focused. So, so they, he's just, they've focused in on the, how the early relationship right, because, governs your later Right. Because this article is talking about attachment mm-hmm. style and how it influences mm-hmm. the success of your current romantic relationship. Okay. So with that definition in mind, now we can actually look at the various ways this plays out in uh, adult relationships, romantic relationships, namely, in this case, marriages. Yes. Okay? So the first one is kind of the lowest hanging fruit. This secure attachment style is I'm okay and you're okay. In other words, I'm secure in our relationship. I'm, I'm secure in you and what you think of me. Everything's okay. In other right. words, I'm confident. There's a reciprocated, I feel it reciprocated. Now, this comes from, parentally right. speaking, it comes from basically having a, a household of parents that were also secure. Right. It starts It starts early in life. And I think looking at each of these, well, and looking back again, so we'll look at each of these styles and then look back at how these styles came about. Um, so at the brokenness in the past or lack of. So in this case, there was uh, this attachment style. It, it really does start early in life. Like a child feels mm. that their parent is a secure base. So that even though they're happy to be with mom or dad, they're also confident enough to kind of explore on their mm-hmm. own. Um, so this is, we see this as probably like a two, a mother, a father and a mother home. There's two parents in there. Um, they grow up this way when their parents themselves are securely attached people. So, right. And the way this works in marriage is you kind of, I think you're more self sufficient. You're not completely independent of one another, nor are you codependent, but you're interdependent. Yes. And that you realize that there is a certain sense of self-sufficiency. We're comfortable with being self-sufficient, but we also realize we need and want each other. Yes. And I think that's where the other piece of it is you get okay. You're you're more comfortable with intimacy. Right. Right. You want want that closeness, but you don't need the closeness to to feel there's a, a yeah, I think there's a deeper understanding of what the attachment means. And so, like, I can feel, I may not be, I know this is not me. I'm not a total, like, secure. Mm. We God has, by his grace, moved us in that direction. But beginning out I, in our relationship, I was definitely not this. Mm. Um, but we can kind of see this as a bit of an ideal, right, of, okay, you came from a two-parent home. These are the things that, like, we we want to look at in the future of like, this is, Hey, this is what we are right. valuing and what God 
essentially has has set forth as the design and purpose for marriage and family. So, so I would say that this is probably. Um, <clears throat> I was very blessed in that my parents were very uh, clear that I was loved. I'm, they they were clear that me and my brother. I only have one brother. That we were loved. Uh, differently but the same amount equally if that makes sense and that we weren't the same but we were both loved Mm -hmm. you know so that was something that was really pivotal for me as a child i also knew that that my parents were committed to one another Mm -hmm. that even when they fought i never worried that they were going to get divorced and i think or that they were going to somehow um turn it on us Mm -hmm. right and they did and you know nobody's perfect uh we weren't abused as kids or anything like that but there's definitely like you know we were the we were on the receiving end of maybe their anger frustration or whatever sure uh, but still, in general, I think this is probably my right. You're trusting. Tendency. You're in, well, you're independent, but we're close. You're open. You can really like. I think you express your affection in confident, in more confident ways. Whereas, sure, I'm not that. <laughs> well, and some of that's personality, right? You have to take yeah. into consideration a lot of things. But I think the important piece here is that um, we're seeing kind of the ideal and what can happen, the fruit of what happens when the gospel uh, mm-hmm. is at is at the center, or at least pursued to be as at the center. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say this, that I, I'm not just some, I'm not emotionally intelligent in a lot of cases. Like when I get frustrated or angry or hurt, I don't always know how to articulate or identify those feelings. And so a lot of times I will slide into an avoidance. I tend to be more dismissive Mm -hmm. uh, than anxious over things. Like I'll just compartmentalize it. I don't, um, I don't, I don't get anxious over it, but I will dismiss it. Um, So that's the next one, actually. Let's talk about dismissive avoidance. Mm -hmm. Um, which here's a quote from um, it's uh, it's actually an article that's about the show How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> and it's really it's incisive because there's two um, they use the characters to the really characters. Um, illustrate yeah. the points. <laughs> yeah, so different styles. In in general, um, this is dismissive avoidant uh, attachment styles. People who have the dismissive avoidant attachment style find it uncomfortable to get too emotionally close to mm-hmm. others or to fully trust them. Mm-hmm. And initially, at you you. You tended to think that this was was you, and then I think as we moved on, you realized that it may may not maybe be maybe just a little bit, but not as much. Yeah. Um, so what's more on this side? So I feel like if you had a, a childhood that was maybe a little less stable, mm-hmm. um, a little less, you know, like what I just described, or maybe you had a two parent home, but right, the gospel's not in it. Christianity was not a part of your upbringing, right? So there might be this uh, inability to feel comfortable with emotional intimacy because I mean. Two parents were there, but you were like, well, they were just kind of existent and they took, they took care of my tangible needs, but emotionally it was, it was difficult to connect, I think, um, at a, a more deep and meaningful level. So the result can tend to be that you pull away from, from, uh, being close with others, um, right. or if you feel hurt or rejected again, you, you pull away, um, I think what I found helpful to, to consider is that even if this is your tendency doesn't mean you don't want to feel close. Exactly. You haven't yes. yet figured it out. Right. Or that you struggle with. It's not your your natural right. style. Right. Now, each one of these, and maybe it's a good time to pause, is each one of these doesn't mean that this is just your, you're doomed to whatever this, right. your tendency is. That's why we're going to talk about how the gospel really does inform this aspect of our relationships of our lives. And it does, it can transform our, our hearts and our minds. Um, but anyway, let's go on to the next one. Um, anxious preoccupied <laughs> attachment. So it's, as we get into these, it's helpful to think about them on a matrix. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you think about an X, Y axis, you've got on the X axis, you've got anxiousness or anxiety all the way to the left. Okay. It's the flat part. You've got low anxiety on the left. And then on the right, you've got high anxiety. And then on the Y axis, you've got avoidance. And you've mm. got low avoidance at the top and high high avoidance at the bottom. So this uh, each one of these quadrants represents an attachment style. Secure would be low avoidance, low anxiety. Um, let's see, where do we place each one of these? Um, anxious, preoccupied, or dismissive avoidant would be low of, high of avoidance. Meaning, I'd rather just compartmentalize it, isolate myself, and I have uh, very low anxiety. Mm. I'm not worried about it, but I'm just avoiding it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the next one is anxious, preoccupied, which is the opposite, which I'm completely I, I can't avoid it. I have right. to I have to get I have to you have to accept me. Right. I can't be secure unless you accept me. Mm. And I need to pursue you uh, until you accept yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm anxious about it. Right. 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 
So um, I don't know what else. What else is in that piece? So the that, anxious, that, preoccupied. It's almost like yeah. Well, they need that reassurance again, like you said, from their partner. They're they're seeking that closeness and intimacy more intensely, and I think this very much illustrates marriage, right? And often more quickly than their partner mm-hmm. is ready. So one may be like coming in hot, you know, and the other one's like, whoa, right. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Or yeah, so I you can probably see how the dynamic maybe plays out in that one. Um, and the last one, if you're okay, moving on to that one. Sorry, one word that comes to mind with anxious preoccupation or pre- preoccupied is uh, clinginess. If okay. someone's really clingy and you can't figure it out, I feel like a lot of... What are of... you trying to say right now? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not clingy at well, all. Okay. If you know me, I'm not. <laughs> so as a young uh, middle schooler, I had this... I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about an ex-girlfriend at this point. Ugh. You're, you're still my first wife. It's okay. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> If you ever want to throw your spouse, by the way, just inter- introduce them as, as their, your, their, your first wife, <laughs> your first husband. Big failure. Um, I, I was dating this girl. It was two dating months. It was a two month. Middle school. <laughs> Come okay. on. Okay. Dating is actually how, what we does know, that even mean? We all know it was silly. Okay. Don't got to rub my nose in it. You brought it up. Two months. I, I was I was seeing this girl, seeing this girl. It sounds weird. Went out with this girl. We were a boyfriend and girlfriend. I asked her to go out with me and she said, yes. And I was that even mean. And after about a month and a half, she just lost interest. And I was, I became the clingiest person. (laughs) I was, I was anxious, preoccupied. (sighs) Oh, little anxious Ryan. Why? Okay. Why? What was your identity, son? It was my, she, she had become an unhealthy portion of my little eighth grade identity. What does she want? I felt confident because I, you know, this girl had expressed interest in me and it meant that I was valid I was valid as a human being that was all the rage like all in that age you have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend I know some guy asked me out like twice and I was like ah, sure and I was like what does that even mean what do we do and then like five days later I was like nah <laughs> you're so metal in that way that's awesome <laughs> I was just like, this is weird. And so I became really clingy and I was anxious about it. I had to, and I, and the more clingy I became, the more she pulled away. <laughs> and it you can was... see the vicious cycle that probably happened, which ended it yeah. very quickly. But if you're married, you can't end things like that. Yeah. You can't end things like a middle school relationship. <laughs> yes. It's Bam. True, very true. Um, you're in a marriage, not <laughs> middle school. You didn't ask your spouse to go out with you. <laughs> you should though, if you haven't done that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Okay, you ready to move on to the fourth one, last sure. one, Let's so we can get in, start defining these things? Yeah, sure. I mean, how they affect our marriage, I guess. Fearful avoidant. So, what is this one? This is the low... It's kind of both. It's a little it's, bit... It's, it's disorganized is another word for it, that, and that's honestly like how some people re- reference this yeah it's style. a combination combination of avoidant and anxious so it's often confused giving mixed signals of pushing away and craving more connection did mm-hmm. you say this was me i think well how dare yes you? because what happens is if i'm disengaged you become more t- more like the anxious preoccupied like if i'm working really hard you start getting really kind of emotionally flustered I hope you're okay with this. I'm not because I feel you. no, because I feel like I'm emotionally detached from you, or like you don't want to be attached to me emotionally, and so I think I get insecure. Sure. And so then I start pursuing you, and right. you think that I'm pursuing you because you're being cold to me or whatever, right? Okay. Pa- or you were that. you were hot and he- you were like, yes, I love you. I'm going to be affectionate. This is our scenario. Ryan wants to like be affectionate towards me and I'm like okay hey hey whoa and then my feelings catch up to it and then it's cooled off for him and he's like wait no See, that's I don't a, think that's that should be sailed that's funny <laughs> I don't think that's how I think it's when you realize that I have withdrawn the desire yes, or the affection. I'm telling you you're wrong <laughs> and then you flip the switch and you're like oh shoot I need to go get that fish back on the hook <laughs> No, it's not. That's what it feels like. I know. This see, we're we're just divulging this in real time. That's not the case. It's honestly like my feelings take a little bit of time. I feel like you should know this about me. No, Seventeen no. years. Of so here's the we're gonna that, they and take a little time here. They take a little bit of time to no. warm up, and then once they're there, it's like you're like, wait, no, that was last. That was an hour ago. Okay. Well, here's my rebuttal to that. <laughs> Is rebuttal another another one of those words? Rebuttal. Well. I tend to think, so I could spend, we could spend all day together and we're doing great and we're doing awesome. And I have a bucket with a hole. What can I say? <laughs> and then, so it's, to me, it's, it doesn't matter the amount of time. I'm empty. Because it's always I, empty. If I'm trying, if I'm like trying to draw closer and closer and closer to you and I realize that I'm getting a wall, that could take 
eight hours to get that wall. It could take an hour to get to that wall. But when I hit the wall and I start to withdraw, always, every time, that's when you start to pursue. Hmm. Whether that's eight hours or one hour. So... Or ten minutes. Is that a control thing then, you think? I don't know. It's because it, I'm not well, part of the part of the kind of I think secure that's part of it. Style is I, that you are okay with independence. Yes, a certain level of independence or a certain level of um, autonomy, and so you are not okay with that after a certain threshold is met. And so when you feel like there's too much, like I'm too not you know I'm too far removed from needing you. Yes, that's when you start feeling insecure. Okay, and you start pursuing. Okay. And so the anxious, uh, preoccupied side kicks in. Okay. Or the, um, yeah. And I so, can see that. I think, honestly, the Lord is bringing, has brought me out of that, though, in a lot of ways. Can you give me any credit with absolutely. that? Absolutely. No, because I'm, not, I feel again, like I'm not trying to put you under the microscope, spine. although we just did. Uh, but also, if I'm pursuing you and you're not having it, that's when you start to you start to check out. And right. you start to uh, not push well, away, I feel like, but just don't engage. Yeah, that's because the avoidance it's, piece. Yes. Because, well, and part of that, the dismissive avoidance, is my tendency to pull away I root it back into my childhood of of being hurt and rejected in a big way as a kid going through my parents' divorce at a mm. very impressionable age. I think it was seven or eight. So I think that, that there's still residue of that there. And so we see that in our marriage, which is a good kind of jumping off point right into marriage a little bit sure. of how we can talk about, you know, our fam- a little bit of my brokenness and just go to Family of Origin if you want to hear the episode about our upbringings and whatnot. No one knows what that means. You got to go. <laughs> Sorry, my family of origin, family of origin is where we've come from, our experience from like being born to today. And no, I wasn't referring to that. I was saying oh. no one knows what go to family of origin means. If you want to find that episode, go to fiercemarriage.com slash podcast and you can search in the search bar oh, family sorry. of origin and it should come up for yes, you. Yes. That's so how you, you can go hear to my, family of origin. You can <laughs> hear both of our stories. Yes. So, um, I'm here to fill in those gaps. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, where, where am I going so, now? So, <laughs> real quick, before we segue into that, we're going to talk about how this plays itself out and how the gospel is kind of our our help in this. Um, I don't mean to put you under the microscope. I really don't. I, it's fine. You, I'm secure. Not, okay. God is good. And I... <laughs> See, you're my, all four of them. <laughs> my, I, aren't we all, though? I we mean, are. I think yeah. in different situations, maybe we're more secure than we would say at the moment. But, um, yeah, I think we've all... We're, we're, we're flawed human beings. We are mm. broken. We are, we fall short all the time, right? We are sinners. And yeah. so there's going to be some anxiety. There's going to be some avoidance, some disorganization, some dismissiveness, right? That we have to deal with. And so how do we kind of change that mm. style? And is that our job to change it, right? Like maybe it's, yeah. we're recognizing it, but then here's where the gospel enters. Like we're recognizing, hey, yeah. Okay. Hold off because saw the finger. Well, I want to stop up. you because I can't get a word in sometimes. <laughs> I gotta How dare jump you? In. You just put me under the magnifying glass <laughs> and then you're like, "Don't talk." <laughs> I'm gonna get some bad ratings. On this <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I love you so wife. much. I love you. So we're at kind of a fork in the road. If you're hearing this and you're saying, "Oh, that's me," or "That's my spouse," we have a decision to make. Uh, are we going to continue, or are we going to try and change? A lot of times, these types of, like, if you have an unhealthy unhealthy attachment style, this is what gives rise to codependency, mm-hmm. is you have somebody who is an anxious avoider, yeah, or someone who's an anxious pursuer, or whatever, and the opposite comes in, and they're, right. the, they're the avoider, and so you have someone who's constantly avoiding and checking out, and the other person is constantly pursuing and trying to get them to check back in, right. and that just creates more checking out and more pursuing and more right. anxiousness, and, right. and so it's codependence, right. and well, so they have, and so... That, that can be really unhealthy. And a lot of times couples get stuck in that loop because right. no matter what, they're always reaching for each other at the wrong time. Right. And then again, intimacy is completely affected, whether that's emotional, spiritual, or physical, right? Yeah. Because again, you're trying to pursue or you're uncomfortable with intimacy. I know that I had to right. learn to be comfortable with it. Uh, for And it took, it took a while to be able to understand mm. that, you know, sex is good and it's for our marriage. You hear the words, but the weight of those things was hard to translate into the bedroom right. in some ways. So I think that we we have to identify it. And then, yes, we how do we allow the gospel to come in and shed light and to lead us and to sanctify yeah. us? Because like I said, at the beginning yeah. of our relationship, um, 
you know, when we all think we're perfect for each other, right? We then step into marriage and we figure out how broken and unattached and our inability to attach to each other, how great that chasm is, especially outside of Christ. Like he is the model. He is the, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's, it's in this, in our faith that we are able to begin knowing what it means to have a loving father a heavenly father if we did not have a loving earthly father mm. right this is where we learn about our identity and how we are made secure mm. in Christ uh, before anything else before anyone else yeah. um, and it's here where we learn God's design and purpose for marriage and the biblical definition right of covenant and love what do those mean and how mm. can how how do those um, springboard us into a healthy attachment yeah, yeah. Yeah, with it's each really, other. It's it's letting God's word shine its bright light into mm-hmm. our hearts and into our lives and into our pasts to build that bridge from yeah. codependence, unhealthy attachment styles to interdependence and healthy attachment right. with your spouse. Because right. we're not called to be detached. And that's uh, like marriage is there and there's there's a oneness that is is biblical. Right. And it's interdependent oneness. Yes. It's not codependent. Well, and I just want to jump in right there and say that like marriage is not a commandment. It's not like a promise of God. It is it is a blessing, it's I think, a and a gift. Yeah. But not everybody is called to it like we see with Paul. So I don't want to put that pressure out there on anyone. You mean like we see how Paul is single? Yes. Not, how the Apostle Paul is single. Yes. Man, I got to finish my thoughts. <laughs> well, clarify. I'm just in your head, so it's cool. I appreciate I'll, that. I'll be the bridge. I appreciate yeah. that. So. Uh, one more thing that the gospel does, and I just want to touch on it, and we can keep talking about this a little bit more, but in terms of attaching, when when they talk about the attachment um, theory with children at a young age um, and then growing up, there's this, it's basically the caregiver is proving their love over and over again, right? It's you have a baby, you have a newborn, and they are at certain stages, they could care less who's holding them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The newborn's like, I don't care, whatever. I'm not hungry, I'm not wet, so I'm good. I'm just sleeping on whoever I'm on. But at some point, which is like kind of where our 15-month-old is, they start preferring a certain person because they've spent a lot of time with them. They have uh, a, a very, they have a lot of trust built up with that with them. And a yeah. lot of, um, yeah. so the thing I think I'm trying to get to is that Christ is our proof of love. He is the one that we can constantly yeah, yeah. go back to his his model, his life, his death, his resurrection, everything about mm. him and everything that was said before he came uh, is is proof that God is a loving father. He is patient. If we, 1 Corinthians 13 defines love and if God is love, then therefore God is patient. He's kind. He's long suffering. He is trustworthy. He is the one we can attach to and look to on how to model that healthy attachment that will in turn ideally, right, keep our marriage covenant together and not just by threads and strings, but by mm-hmm. chains that will are unbreakable by anything in this world. Yeah. Uh it's unreal. Uh as you're talking, I'm I just man, you're I love how your brain works. It's so true. Okay. What you just I just want to reiterate it. Our children are learning, we're proving our love to them over and over again. And then at some point they start to feel more independent and that secure foundation gives them a place to then move forward about the, to go about the business of becoming a little child and becoming an adult. Mm -hmm. That's parenting 101, right? (laughs) Well, you're saying that God has done the same thing to us, that Christ is our proof of God's love. Jesus himself says, be born again. Right. Okay, so you're, why does he use that analogy? Like, the more I I dive into family, the more I dive into God's word, the more I realize how profound the model for the Christian household, for the household, uh, and and how the gospel is a representation, is is represented in the Christian home. Mm -hmm. And the idea of being born again into a new identity, a new family. Yeah. And having new life. Yes. Uh, I forget where it is, but... It's the whole idea of being dead and brought to life. Mm. You, you, uh, Vody, <laughs> Vody Bakum talked about it. Thematic throughout the scriptures. <laughs> he, well, yes, it is very thematic. <laughs> but he talked about how you were not born because you decided to be born to your parents. Right. It just happened. Right. You had nothing to do with it. And right. it's the same thing with our birth in, into Christ's family, mm. into God's family. We're born again out of nothing, out of death. We're brought back, to, brought to life, and that is the foundation of. God's proof of love to us. Mm. Now, the problem is, is we will oftentimes buy that 
I mean, we'll believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say buy it because it's, it's the truth. We'll believe that truth, and but it won't fully permeate. Like, it doesn't actually inform every... In other words, we, we attach ourselves to the hope of the gospel, yeah. but the help it doesn't work its way into every and little I, deep... I would argue it's because we don't continually go back to that well of hope. We don't continue go, to go back to the living water, the bread of life. We continue to... We say, oh, I got this, like, hmm. I got this cup of water. It was good. The living water was good. I'm going to go out and live my life. And it's like, well, you're going to be thirsty again. And if we don't understand that about our current like sinful condition, then we're going to just consistently come up to the living water parched, which we should anyways. But I'm just saying like we can live, I feel like a hydrated life on the living water of Christ, right? And we, our marriage can be, even in the darkest moments, fully, fully dependent on the living water, the living, the bread of life. And so we we we're not disqualified in any way if yeah. we are going through hardships. Yeah, it's it's profound. So, uh, now how does that that revelation, that truth, that we are born again mm-hmm. into God's family by the blood of Christ, resurrected spiritually? Last week we talked about the resurrection being the core mm-hmm. of the gospel, mm-hmm. and how our spiritual resurrection is is our salvation. Yeah. Uh, and how it gives birth to a new heart, a new mind. I think it how gives does that. I think it, truth filter down into these these faulty right. And off the cuff, styles. I think we can just say we can look at the, look back at our lives and see the brokenness, and yet look at Christ and know that He is sufficient and enough, and He is faithful hmm. to work out my inability to attach to you, my brokenness that is keeping me from a healthy attachment. To my husband in whatever aspect, whether that be intimacy, whether that be through our communication um, or our our lack of, you know, being able to resolve any sort of conflicts. I mm. think that we can hinge all of that weight and brokenness and ability, whatever, on Christ. Mm. And so the gospel, the gospel like changes everything in, in that mm. there is purpose and design, right, for marriage. Um, wives were called to be fruitful vines. We yeah. have this, you know, children that are olive shoots right around the table. And what passage is that? Where's that? Is from? that Psalm one twenty eight? Uh, yes, I think yeah. it's fruitful vine yep. and the olive shoots. And so when we when we believe and stake our hope and our whole entire soul and life and marriage everything on the gospel and God's purpose and design, yeah, we're trusting that it's instructive and that it is instructive not just for me to like not have joy, but to maximize joy and to, um, I guess be fruitful and continue in yeah. that. So what I want to do here is take a moment to just, I want to read that passage because that's one of my favorite passages. I know it's a good one. Uh, I just, uh, it's Psalm 128. We'll read the whole thing. It's only six verses. And then I want to look at each one of these three attachment styles besides secure and and I guess just talk through how the gospel is the beginning yeah. of the path yeah. toward security. Right now, I, I do want to add a little caveat to what you just said. Like, if you had a history where you were abused severely, yeah. and you're just afraid, and you're this, you have a an attachment style that is reflective of that. I don't want it to sound like that. As soon as you just, if you could just believe harder, then all of a sudden you'll you'll mm. not have to deal with that. No. Um, that's not biblical. It's not what we're trying to say. And I don't want to, I certainly don't want to come. It, that's not a place of hope. That's a right. place of, I need to pull myself up by my bootstraps yeah. even more. What we're saying is that the God we serve, we can go to. He made a way for us and by even Christ if we dying don't feel on the cross. Relief, right. Even if we don't feel relief from our insecurities here in this life, we can cling with hope. Yes. Like Abraham, uh, he, his whole, the whole ask of God for the covenant he made with Abraham was faith. Right. Right. Faith that a 90-plus-year-old man, I can't forget the exact age, but yeah. way too old to have kids, that God would somehow let make make them into a mighty nation, right. make them into a mighty nation. It was faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So it's not the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith that determines the right. outcome. Right. And we have, what you're saying is we have an immeasurably secure object of faith, yes. regardless of how un- insecure our faith can feel at times. Right. And the research yeah. does show that the disorganized attachment, I think that was the fourth one, is it's it's the one that tends to develop from abuse, trauma, or chaos in the home. Um, yeah. Basically, you learn as a child to fear a caregiver and you have no yeah. real secure base. 
Yeah. So. Another word for disorganized is fearful avoidant. Right. I think um, the fearful avoidant. Yeah. So let's read one twenty eight Psalm one twenty eight here. Um, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. So this is pause real fast. It's painting the picture of a somebody who is following after the the ways of God, right. the law of God. Fearing the Lord means it's that I have a reverence for Him and I follow Him. I obey Him. He is God. I am not. Right. Okay. So this is the outcome of that healthy orientation in the universe. Right. Saying I'm not God. He is, and He deserves all my worship, all my service, all right. my praise. Okay, so out of that, the psalmist is is projecting in a way. So verse three, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Verse five, the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. That's the city of God, of the kingdom of God. May you see your children's children peace be upon Israel. Again, so hmm. that's this place of this foundation of fearing God, this of health, right? Uh, in Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, what is it, 4? Mm-hmm. I'm going to look it up real fast. Um, or, yeah, Ephesians 6, got to get to it. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so again, somebody who is following after God, a man in particular, is going to... Um, govern their household in a way that is Mm. representative of God's law, Mm. of God's will, of God's decree, which is not to rule it with an iron fist. It's not to check out because you're too busy getting drunk or going every which way or working too hard, doing your thing. (laughs) It's it's serving your house, Mm. dying to self, fighting for them, loving from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. And so that's this picture of fearing God, following his law, submitting to his way, loving him in it, yeah. and desi- being desirous of him and your family as a result. And when the man does that, the result is a wife who is like a fruitful vine. You start seeing the results of a man mm. stepping into that headship, restoring that that leadership in the home. And that, that truly is an act of God. Like, I can't make Ryan lead. He has to follow the Holy Spirit has to prompt that in him. So if you're a wife whose husband is not stepping into that headship, what can you do right now? You can pray. Oh, you- yes. I want to add, I know what you're going to say. You can't change your husband's heart. I know that. And that's, and I think I our wives know that. that. Okay. But that's true. <laughs> I want to add, um, I have a good, good friend and you'll know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to say his name. He, he is so, he, his wife is such a rock star in a lot of these ways that he will often feel um, like he's dropping the ball because she's just so awesome at loving her family well and like scripture <laughs> and bringing scripture into the into the household, family worship. It, and what it does is it doesn't make him feel bad. It makes him want to lead right, like on par with how she's right. And there's got to be so compelling. Uh, sure. And I think, but there's there's a manipulation aspect if you're not careful. So that's <laughs> what I'm true. just trying to, I, again, the Holy Spirit is good and pure. And a lot of times you may not be able, modeling, just modeling, loving the Lord will do a whole lot more, I think, than having some converse, <laughs> yeah. some con- confrontational conversations. Look um, at me, I'm reading my Bible. <laughs> and I wish you'd do that too. Stop. I guess I'll model it for you. I guess I'll model it for you. I know what you mean. No. That's so funny. I think we should talk about... Um, well, we're going to go through each one of these real quick and okay. just uh, talk through, kind of shine the light of the of scripture into each sure. one of these. So anxious attachment style. Um, again, this is, uh, there's because of a lack of trust. I'm going to read a summary from Medium. It's a blogger here. Uh, they said, these individuals need constant reassurance and communication to feel peace within themselves. Hmm. I immediately think of John 14, 27. My peace I give you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Mm. Okay, so if you have the if you're prone to the anxious attachment style, which is, I um I need to feel secure, mm-hmm. so I'm going to I need to feel a loving bond with you, so I'm going to try to be possessive of you and I'm going to pursue you to right. a fault. The 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 antidote to that, if I could use that word, maybe sure. that's a little too trite, but the the first step on the path toward security is grabbing a hold of the peace that you have in Christ. Right. Because he says, not as the world gives, meaning it's not contingent right. on anything that you do or any way you can rationalize. It just is. Right. 
I give it to you. In other words, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Mm. So who takes hold of that peace okay, well, that God has given. If you tease that out, you say, if you, fearing the Lord is saying, I can have peace because you're a God, you're in control. Right. There's a reverence aspect. Yes. There's a, yeah. a holiness and authoritative mm. aspect as well. The second piece, the so the anxious attachment we just talked about, and then the avoidant. Right. So the avoidant attachment style, adults, uh, they tend to distance themselves from emotional right. intimacy. They might feel uncomfortable with affection and love, um, and they might isolate themselves and would prefer to live a rather more independent lifestyle. Um, yeah. Then they tend to rationalize their emotions and deny their own feelings to avoid kind of confrontation. Uh, I, those are resonating a little too more, more than I would like them to. Um, so, so that I think is avoidance is, is well, like you keep somebody at an arm's length to, to kind right. of keep that uh, vulnerability. Mm. You don't want to be vulnerable. You keep them at bay. Yeah. Um, but then you're not really experiencing love, f- knowing you're loved, feeling right. you're loved. And, yeah. Well, they, what would you say? Well, I was going to say that this, um, it's, it's, it's almost like a lack of empathy or a lack of desire to empathize. Meaning right. that I don't have to feel or worry. Right. I can just avoid this hard thing. Right. Um, and that's, we don't, first off, we don't have a, a high priest. Okay. So Hebrews four fifteen says this, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but mm-hmm. one who in every respect has been tempted as, as we are yet with, is, and is yet without sin. So the step on the path toward security is remembering say, that we have a, a high priest, a savior, a king, a friend who has stepped into our space yeah, and is has offered himself and can empathize with us and is calling us into mm. the same space when it comes to loving ourselves. So good. We don't have a God who doesn't know what it's like. Right. I, I mean, he created it. Right. So would you call this like not an antidote, but maybe a gospel secure attachment? Or sure. sort of a gospel-centered I mean, attachment. I don't know. I'm trying to label it so that listeners are like, ah, this is the difference. This is what this is what this looks like as a more gospel-centered well, attachment. Or to, I guess to the. I, I appreciate that. How I would nuance that is security is the word we want to be secure. The question is in in psychology, it's security in yourself, and mm. we're saying your security is, doesn't have to be in yourself. It can be in Christ. It shouldn't be in yourself. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Okay. It should be in Christ. Yes. And that security is so much deeper and more secure than whatever security we can muster on our own. Yes. Very so well I think said. Gospel founded security feels like, or gospel centered to me, like you said, um, awesome. feels like a good way forward. All okay. right. The last one yeah. fearful avoidant attachment style. Mm. Um, they have difficult time connecting with others. Uh, and they, they crave intimacy while wanting to remain independent. So it's kind of like this back and forth, mm-hmm. right? The dysfunctional, um, hey, I want you, but I don't want you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they It said this was the combo of they share the anxious and avoidant attachment styles. Um, and they are they they just tend to have a, like a, that push-pull dynamic. They want to feel close and love, but they also want to avoid any feelings of intimacy at the same time. Yeah. Because obviously then there's some vulnerability that's probably happening. And so, yeah, you can see how that all plays out. Yeah. So the, I think one of the, I would say the pushback on this or the antidote or the gospel centeredness would be when we, when we actually look at love and how love, the definition of love in first Corinthians Mm. 13, that it is, um, it's, it's trustworthy. Like love is, it's patient. It's kind. It's, you know, long suffering. It's, it's ready to, to be there no matter what. And so if we are subscribing and we are believing that this is the standard of love, this is the plumb line of what love should be defined as, then my what I'm perceiving as love, I can recognize that that might be a lie and that I'm pulling away from something that maybe is is not truth. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Well, I was trying to look up a verse because of this. I mean, um, we can be pulled. Yeah. We can at the same, like you could love me how God calls you to love me and I could still pull away. So yeah. there's, there's truth in that as well. Yeah. And that's, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think like that's, that's been my tendency in the past where I know that you're trying to love me well and I'm 
pulling away because of my own insecurity and sin. And then, yeah. Well, I, when we have our secure base, right? Yeah. So this this fearful avoidant, like disorganized kind of a, attachment, um, they have no real base of security. And so there's this constant, like I, yeah. I imagine jumping back and forth. So if you don't have a real base of where you're anchored, then you're going to be jumping back and forth between things. And so... So here's my pitch for, the, and here's my step on that path towards security. Yes. Okay. So Psalm 42. Mm-hmm. I love this one too. Man, I've just been in the Psalms lately and this one just rocks my face off because I love the ocean. <laughs> have you ever been in, an, in a wave? I know you have, but I'm talking, <laughs> you've been in a wave and just been just completely and utterly taken over by it. Yes. So scary. And you're a rag You're doll. probably like, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> no, uh, we were, we were on vacation a few years back. We went yeah. to, to Hawaii. And That's the place where I get, Yeah. And I got just, just manhandled you do. by this Yes, It's wave. wide open ocean. Pounded into the yes. ground. Like legitimately injured myself. <laughs> uh, anyway, I take great solace. So that That's that's the analogy the psalmist is using mm. in 42. And I love it. It says this, my soul is cast down within me. So the psalmist is in turmoil. Mm. There's a few in here in this series. I think it's 42, 43, maybe even 44. Uh, my soul is cast down. That's this mm. language he uses. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Mm. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the opposition of the enemy? As with deadly wounds in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And he's reminding himself again, "Where? why are you cast down, O my soul? Mm. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation mm. and my God. Mm. I love that picture of being completely uh, awash in the grace of God, mm. that you couldn't stop it if you tried. Mm. And so that's what I feel. That's what it comes to mind yeah. <laughs> in this fearful avoidant attachment yeah. style is that being kind of um, the, the antithesis to this is God's steadfast love. Yeah. It's the opposite of steadfastness. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Bouncing back and forth. Well, and I think too, uh, I think it was Cliff, somebody said in our little like home church group, he was saying that grace, grace is kind of twofold. There's grace for your sins that you've committed and then there's grace for the sins that have been committed against you. And so if we, if we look back at, you know, our family of origin and maybe some sins that were committed against you, whatever that looks like, we can, we can offer forgiveness. How? Because of the grace of God, because of the extent of forgiveness that God has given to us. And we can only do that once we understand that. Right. And so, I just want to, I think, place that out there so that we're not stuck in this. Well, this was my upbringing. I'm hurt. This is where it all comes from. There's no moving forward. Like, I don't even know where to begin. Well, we can first have hope in Christ. We can first have hope in the gospel. Working that out may take a counselor. It may take a pastor, like a Christian counselor, a pastor, someone walking alongside of you to help you see the path more clearly. Um, But to understand, right, that there is grace. There is grace for the sins that mm. you have not even yet committed, right? There's forgiveness there. And that is that is the gospel. That is where we can we can hang our hat. The resurrection of Christ, the coming of him, yeah. it's it's life changing and it's marriage changing. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing that compares to to it. Can I um because I'm I'm picturing the wife or the husband listening to this thinking about their own maybe attachment style and their own family of origin and how it's affected them, but also their spouse mm-hmm. and how their spouse, their spouse's attachment styles affected them. And maybe the faults are there right. and they're probably on full display. Uh, so I think that's the spot where uh, that's, I want to just add to what you were saying is that this can inform how we love each other. Yes. Like I can see your family of origin. I can see you maybe pulling away or closing off mm-hmm. or pursuing and I can, instead of just doing what I would naturally do, I can meet you there. Mm-hmm. And so I, if you're listening to this thing, how do I connect with my spouse? How do I get through to them? I'm saying, like, maybe fill that gap a little bit, right? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. if they're pulling away from you, you can still you can still pursue because you have been pursued in Christ. Right. If they are clinging to you, you can be gracious toward them. Yeah. And pray for the Holy Spirit to, right. to open your eyes to that because sometimes yeah. we just aren't seeing it. And so... God, pray for the. I pray for the opportunities to see yeah. how I can love my spouse and meet them where they're at. Yeah. 
So speaking yeah. of prayer, um, we should pray because we are we're up against pushing it. it. Why don't you pray this week? Okay. All right. God, thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for um, psychology that helps us understand how we uh, can attach to each other, putting words to things that we can't always express. Uh, I pray that these would be tools in helping us understand uh, where we've come from come from, and the brokenness of sin in our lives, but more so the grace and love and sanctification and redemption uh, and hope that you have for us, God. I pray for the marriages listening right now that this would be uh, a spur, that this would be a fire, that this would be um, just that first step in recognition and beginning to hopefully take steps and recognize that they're not alone and that you are there uh, meeting them, Father. Thank you for the gospel. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for loving us. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, we forgot to do a couple's conversation challenge. So I'm going to say this. Uh, take these four attachment styles. Um, I'll recap them real fast. You have secure. Uh, secure, you have anxious attachment. You have avoidant and fearful avoidant. So talk through these um, yeah, o- you with can, an open hand. You can talk about this stuff. And you can Google it too. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty... Uh, it, there's a Neutral ton of stuff out how, there. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Um, talk through that and maybe try to identify your your greatest tendencies as individuals mm-hmm. within your relationship and then mm-hmm. to see where the conversation goes. And yeah. wherever the conversation goes, close it in prayer. Yeah. Ask God to help you uh, just attach in a more secure, gospel-centric way. All right, Amen. sound good? Amen. All right, that said, this episode is... In the can. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us this week on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. We'll see you again in about seven days. Until then. Stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.